As Stephanie mentioned, uh, we enter a new series beginning today, which will be a series that leads us right up to Easter. I can't believe Easter is, uh, is like right up on us. Feels like like we were just waiting for Christmas, right? That's kind of the way uh, time flies. Uh, but uh, we are going to be over the next few weeks in a series called 12 Followers. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 1. And uh, if you want to put a mark there and go to Matthew chapter 16. If you don't have your Bibles, all good. The uh, verses will be on the screen this morning. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, lead pastor here. Really glad that you're here this morning. And uh, how many of you, it's church, so you got to be honest, okay? So how many of you woke up this morning expecting like when you woke up, you had an expectation you were going to uh, the service that started at nine o'clock. Just be real honest. Raise your hand this morning. All right. Thank you for your honesty. And like, I, we've got to end this daylight savings time on Sunday. It's got to stop. I, I'm going to put a petition together that we move it to Monday morning and see how the rest of the world deals with it. All right. Yeah. Grumpy corporate people on Monday morning rather than church people. Okay. So anyway, uh, not, I'm not bitter or anything. So anyway, <laughs> We, uh, we're going to begin our, our series today, and uh, i got to tell you, Jesus said the, the two words, follow me, and he uttered those over and over and over again, and when he did, I don't believe that we realize the gravity of those two words in our lives, uh, and I don't know if those who decided to follow him back then understood the gravity of those words in their life. Because it wasn't just follow me so that you can have eternity in heaven. It wasn't just follow me so you can serve the poor, help find clothes for those who don't have clothes, help find food for those who don't have food. It wasn't just to do the things that Jesus did and to follow his model of ministry and leadership. It was a high calling. It was a calling to get behind a new message, a different gospel, if you will. That word means good news. A gospel that doesn't mean rules equals a relationship with God. It means a relationship with Jesus equals a relationship with God. And here we are in 2019, and for those of you who gathered here today and you call yourself a Christ follower, those two words are heavy. They have an impact. It's a high calling. But it's for all of us, each and every one of us, who call ourselves Christ followers, who have decided truly to follow him. I remember um, growing up and accepting Jesus as my Savior when I was in elementary school. I believe it was a first or second grade class that I accepted Jesus in. And I didn't really realize all that meant until I was about 13 or 14 years old. And that's when I really began to grow in my faith walk. And I remember um, as a really, really shy, quiet guy thinking, God could never use me like he uses some people. And I think that we sometimes trick ourselves into believing that because of the way that we're made up because of our personality or because of who we are as people or because of maybe our past or what we've said or what we've done, that God can't use us. Yes, we may be saved. Yes, we may be a follower of Jesus in name. And yes, we may have eternity in heaven with him because we've put our faith in him, but we can't imagine that God would use us as we are. 
and the way that we're designed. And I would imagine that there are some of you who came into this place today and you don't realize the heaviness of those two words, follow me, and what they mean. They mean that he chose you because of all of those things you think doesn't qualify you. He chose you because you're too quiet or you're too loud or you're too this or you're too that or because you've done this thing or because you've done that thing. Sometimes we trick ourselves, we kind of talk ourselves into believing that all of those things that makes us up disqualifies us from doing God's work and following him in a unique way. And in many cases, it's those very things that are the reason why he chose you. I always wonder what made Jesus choose these 12 men that he chose. And um, this series is largely going to be based on this book uh, called 12 Ordinary Men. I don't know if any of you have read it, but it's by John MacArthur. Throughout the series, we're going to have copies available at guest services for $10. That's a discount. Um, uh, we actually bought them for more than that, so not a very good business plan. But anyway, you can buy a book after, and I want to encourage you to do that if you want to find out more. Uh, and uh, also, if you want to study more and kind of go to the next level uh, in terms of really digging into this, I want to encourage you to be at Roots uh, on Wednesday night at 6.30. We meet over there in Ignite, and uh, we dive deeper. Now, today what we're going to be doing is taking a look at two brothers, Andrew and Peter. So we're going to tackle this in groups of two, sometimes one, sometimes like we'll do a few in a row. Um, it's going to be a little bit random, and I, I kind of like random, all right? So uh, hopefully what you'll see is, is you may connect with one or more of these disciples. You may find yourself going, hey, I'm kind of like him. I, I'm kind of like this one. I'm kind of like that one, and, and uh, the good and the bad. Now, Jesus um, chose most of these men from this area called the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee, and you're going to see some video here, the Sea of Galilee um, was really probably the most unusual place that Jesus could have chosen the men who would follow him. I want you to just, as you're looking at this, just stop and think about the fact that most of the, most of the disciples were chosen from this area. The 12 men who changed the world, who changed the course of human history, lived in a place like that. Somewhat of a desolate area out in the middle of nowhere in fishing villages all over the Sea of Galilee. In fact, most of them were fishermen. Uh, the, the first two that we're going to talk about were, were fishermen, and they were actually in business with James and John. And so Andrew, Peter, James, and John, they were in business together there in the Sea of Galilee, or at least Peter and James and John were not 100% sure about Andrew. And so that's the place that Jesus, in obscurity, pulled these men from to change the world, to spread this gospel message, to be his followers. Andrew was the first one that followed Jesus. He was a fisherman. He was the brother of Peter. He and Peter were both from Bethsaida at the Sea of Galilee there. He was extremely, he was much, much less conspicuous than his brother Peter. Andrew, from what we can tell from Scripture, he wasn't mentioned much. Only in a couple of occasions was he mentioned but from what we can tell from Scripture, this was a guy who was often kind of behind the scenes. He was one who maybe existed a little bit in the shadows of his more dominant in personality and in every other way brother. 
I don't know about you, maybe some of you have kind of lived in the shadow of a sibling, and you're like, yeah, mom and dad always said they were special. They, they always said they were the better ones. They were the ones that got all the good grades, that all the teachers really liked, that were the athletes. Like, they got the scholarship. I wasn't even going to college. Like, it just wasn't going to happen. And, like, you've lived a little bit in the shadow of, of maybe an older, maybe even a younger brother or sister or someone, maybe in your family or, or in your school, and, and, and maybe you're kind of in the shadow of someone else. That was a little bit of Andrew's story. He was in the shadow. And I get the feeling that Andrew might have liked it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands this morning, but uh, how many of you are a little bit like that? You don't have to raise your hands this morning. You're, you're kind of like, I just like, I like serving in the background. I like kind of being just, just kind of back there, doing my part, doing it well, but you know I just don't like the accolades. That's the picture of Andrew that we get. He's mentioned a couple times, he definitely was one of the four of the inner circle of Andrew, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. He had been following John the Baptist, which is so interesting. John the Baptist was uh, the one who was the forebearer of Jesus. He was the one that prepared the way for Jesus, and he was the one that we're going to see in a moment, a moment announces who Jesus is. And he hung out, Andrew did, with this guy named um, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was, um, you talk about, like, he was not an ordinary guy. He lived out in the middle of the desert, and, and he wore, like, animal skin clothing, long animal skin clothing, and, and ate bugs. Like, that is the weirdest combination in the world, isn't it? And so Andrew hung out with John the Baptist. In fact, he was a follower of John the Baptist before he was a follower of Jesus. But Andrew's story is one of faithfulness and, and humility and consistency. But most of all, I believe Andrew's legacy is personal evangelism. He understood what it meant to share with someone else on a very personal level what Jesus has done. Check out John 1. We're going to read select verses from uh, the end of John chapter 1. The next day, he, meaning John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said this. Here's his announcement. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If we skip down to verse 35, we see the next day John was standing, just John the Baptist once again, with two of his disciples. One of those was Andrew. In fact, verse 40 says, one of the two who heard John the Baptist speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, let's stop there for a second. Do you get the gravity of just that verse right there? Like John, who was writing this, the writer of the gospel, had to pause and say this was Andrew. He, he couldn't just say it was Andrew because most people who read it would have gone, who was Andrew? I don't know any Andrew that followed Jesus. He had to describe him as Simon Peter's brother. And so that's in the obscurity to which Andrew existed. Verse 41 he, meaning Andrew, found his brother, first found his brother Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And in verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, now he's talking about Peter, his brother, and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. 
this is such a remarkable verse, and you're kind of like, wait a minute, it's really not that remarkable. Maybe the most interesting thing is, is the whole John the Baptist and eating mugs thing. Like, this is really not that interesting, but I want you to realize that in this moment, when Andrew first meets Jesus, don't miss this, when Andrew, this one who, who loved being out, like, out of the limelight, he didn't like being on the stage, he didn't like having a platform, when he meets Jesus, the very first thing that he does is introduce the person who meant most to him to the Savior. He found his brother, Peter, and he says, Peter, you've got to come. Actually, Simon, you've got to come, and you've got to meet Jesus. And Simon is introduced to Jesus, and Simon Peter, the one we're going to talk about next, all of a sudden follows Jesus. And the impact that Peter made because of him meeting Jesus is huge. Without Andrew, that wouldn't have happened. Without Andrew opening his mouth, even though he was kind of in the shadows, even though he didn't like the limelight, he opened his mouth and he said, I've got to find my brother and I've got to tell him about Jesus. He gives us the model of what it means to share Jesus with those closest to us. He gives us the model of personal evangelism. Peter gives us the model of what it means to have like this great public platform and be able to speak well and be in order and have people come to Christ. But Andrew, in his quiet way, does the job that really he's called to do. And that is as he introduces his brother Peter to Jesus. We see later that he questioned Jesus. He was curious. He sometimes didn't quite understand what Jesus was talking about. Um, he, he was crucified at the end of his life as well, just like Jesus. He was at the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus used him to help with the feeding of 5,000. He was also there in the upper room, and so he definitely was one in the crowd. Now, those are all the things that Scripture tells us. Legacy tells us, or tradition tells us, that his legacy was is that he started a church in Constantinople, and now a lot of people believe that he may have gone on to be a missionary in Scotland and, and England in that area. Um, he was crucified for his faith, and a lot of scholars believe that based on some, some tradition and some other extra-biblical writing, that um, he might have done that because of his stand for Christ. He made a stand, and he wouldn't let the church worship anything other than Jesus. And so this was a man who, even though he was in the shadows, even though he wasn't in the limelight, he was a faithful follower of Jesus. And the lesson that we can learn from his life is that a passionate follower of Jesus will, at some point in time, have a desire to introduce Jesus to those they care about most. That's personal evangelism. That's what Andrew's life demonstrates. And then the one that he introduced to Jesus became one of the inner circle, became one of those whose most had, had the greatest impact on the gospel, the spread of the gospel, especially even before the church got started, we'll see in a moment, is this man named Peter, his brother. And Peter was the one probably who knew Jesus the best. He was probably the disciple that Jesus was the closest to. Why don't you check out the screens to get a picture of what Peter may have been like. Do you need help? I'm not looking for any help. And besides, there's nothing to help with. We're going fishing. There are no fish out there this time of day. 
In fact, there are no fish out here any time of day. Peter. Just give me an hour. And I will give you a whole new life. Who says I want one? I tell you. There's no fish out there. How did this happen? What did you do? I'm giving you the chance to change your life. Peter, come with me. Give up catching fish and I will make you a fisher of man. What are we gonna do? the world. I think Mark Burnett did a very good job of getting the picture artistically and visually of what it was like to follow Jesus in the series Son of God and then in that picture we see Peter doubting if they can ever really catch fish and and, and there he, he begins to trust Jesus because of something that happened. And you can find that in the, the Gospel of Luke. That was Peter. He was bold. He was outspoken. He, he was someone who walked into a room mouth first. Have, have any of you like that? You can raise your hand. Because you who are like Peter are going to want to raise your hand. Any of you like Peter? Type A, bold. Like, come on. You got, I mean, be honest, I've, there's like two people in here. I know there's more of you. I don't know why you're not raising your hand, because you're like Peter. <laughs> Peter was this, he was the guy, John MacArthur says that he was the disciple with the foot-shaped mouth. He always said the wrong thing. He always had the wrong thing to say, and particularly he had it at the wrong time. He was one who was always in trouble with his words. He was one who got into a boat, and he rocked it. I can just picture his brother in the background going, Peter, 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 hang on, hang on, man. Slow down, slow down. But Peter was bold, and God used him in a remarkable way. I, I love it. He's known by many different names. You saw there Simon and Simon Peter, and Peter was a name that Jesus gave him. And I love it. If you look all through Scripture, when you see Jesus uh, calling him um, Simon uh, uh, Bar-Jonah, which means son of Jonah or son of John, um, that's when Jesus is giving him some kind of praise 
or accolade or if he just calls him Simon. But when he calls him Simon Peter, that's when he's trying to get his attention and that's when Jesus is rebuking him. Do you remember when your mom or your dad used to call you by both of your names or maybe all three of your names? And you were like, man, I'm in trouble, right? I remember my dad, Todd, David, Cullen. I was like, oh boy, here it comes. It's a little bit of the same thing with Peter. When Jesus would call him by both of those names, Simon Peter, was usually when he had done something wrong. He was Andrew's brother, a fisherman as well. He was in business, as I mentioned, with James and John. He was the de facto spokesman of the group. He was the one that was not afraid of a platform or a crowd. He was one who wasn't afraid to be in the spotlight, to be in the limelight. He wasn't afraid to speak out, and he did often. And often, he got him in trouble. There were times when he was impetuous and blunt. There's a story of him lifting a sword out of its sheath and slicing off the ear of a soldier, and Jesus condemns him. There's a time when he tries to build a temple to uh, Moses and Elijah, and Jesus condemns him once again, and we see him being this way over and over again. But my favorite passage in regards to Peter is this passage from Matthew 16, where we really see this contrast of someone who goes from being like one of the closest disciples to Jesus to someone that Jesus often has to slap on the hand. I want you to take a look at this. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 23. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? That's the real question, isn't it, that Jesus asks. I want to know who you say I am. Simon Peter, like a good type A, was the first one to speak up in verse 16. He says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the best Sunday school answer of all times, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you know, I want to give the right answer. And Peter gave the right answer here. Verse 17, and Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. There you go. He's in good standing right now with Jesus because he's called him Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Think about those words. Jesus is saying, that's, that's exactly right, Simon, because God told you that, and you're listening to God right now, and because you're listening to God, you've given the right answer. Absolutely. He says, for flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my heavenly Father's in heaven. Look at verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. That word that he gave Peter there, rock, was not something that Peter was naturally. In fact, Peter was pretty unstable. Peter was a guy who was like the first one to get excited. He was the first guy on the bandwagon. Like he was the guy that was on the bandwagon of the Patriots back in 2001, the first time they won uh, you know, the Super Bowl. And he was the guy that like got excited about a team, but he was the first guy off the bandwagon when things got bad. And this is the guy that Jesus is saying, you're a rock. Listen, I want you to hear this, church. In this moment, what Jesus is doing is he is telling Peter, 
I know that you're not this way, but this is what I believe that you can be. And this is what I believe that you're going to become. And I want some of you to know today that if you doubt that God can use you, he thinks more highly of you than you do. He's got a bigger vision for your life and the impact that you can make on his kingdom and for the gospel and, and with your friends and with your family and with your community and with your culture than you do. He was portraying on Peter a picture of what he wanted him to achieve. And he says, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the, to the kingdom, keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on, loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Check this out in verse 22. This all happens in the same conversation. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Let's stop there for a second. The verse says, in verse 22, Peter took him aside. Who's the him there? You can say it. Who's the him there? It's Jesus. Like Peter takes the son of God aside and says, you're wrong. Just let that kind of settle in with you for a second. Like this is classic Peter. Like Jesus is explaining to his disciples, look, guys, here's the deal. I'm on a mission. And my mission is to go into Jerusalem and to be arrested, and to be tried, and to be punished. And I'm doing it on purpose, and I'm doing it for you, and I'm doing it for the sins of the world. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. That's not what's going to happen. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine looking at the Son of God and saying, no, that's not the plan? I would suggest that we do that probably at some point in time every day of our lives. I would suggest that we do that so often we don't even realize it. And for Peter here, I feel bad for him. I mean, we know what's going to happen here in a second. And I kind of feel bad because I see a purity in his statement. He loves Jesus. He doesn't want him to suffer. This is the one that he's, like, risked his whole life to follow. And he's saying, I'm going to be gone soon. And I kind of connect with Peter right now, right? Like, who wants this to happen to the one that he's serving? Far be it from Lord this shall never happen to you. And look at verse 23. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get, me behi get behind me, Satan. Okay, didn't he just say that he was the rock that he was going to build the church on? Didn't he just say, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom? Didn't he just say, like, yes, you know, blessed are you, Peter? Like, this is crazy. And, 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 and I had someone once say, well, maybe that shows us more about Jesus. No, not at all. Because look at what Jesus tells him. He goes, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. Jesus says, I'm on a mission. And you need to accept the mission. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for me. It's not going to be easy for you. He says, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of God. 
of man. I love this passage because in one like conversation, Peter goes from being the special one to being the one who Jesus calls Satan. It's quite a contrast, isn't it? You don't have to raise your hand this time. How many of you now identify with Peter? <laughs> like, I know I do sometimes. This hot and cold, this up and down, this, oh, man, man, my words are getting me in so much trouble. But church, I want you to realize that Peter changed the world. Jesus used him to change the world. We see in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes down after Jesus is, is gone. The Holy Spirit comes down on this group of people that becomes the first church. And Peter preaches this message. He's the first one to preach the message, repent and be baptized. Some of you are like, yeah, I heard that one growing up. <laughs> Every single Sunday I heard that one growing up. Your, your pastor didn't come up with that. That was Peter, all right? So I just want you to know that. And 3,000 people came to faith that day because of Peter. He does, he does amazing things, extraordinary things for God. He was prolific in his preaching and communication. He healed people, but he also denied Jesus, didn't he? Three times right before the cross. And so Peter, with his mouth leading the way, never saying the right thing, was pulled out of obscurity and used by God just like Andrew. The thing we can learn from Peter's life is that a passionate follower of Jesus will strive to balance their zeal for him with a consistent lifestyle of faith in God. Peter would have done well to strive for consistency in his life. And maybe some of you are here today, and you're a type A just like him. And maybe you're hot, and maybe you're cold sometimes. But maybe if you peel back the onion, there is a deep longing to make an impact for, for Jesus. My hope and my prayer is, is that whether you're someone who's like Andrew, and you like it in the shadows, you like it behind the scenes, or whether you're someone like Peter, who was bold and sometimes blunt and sometimes said the wrong thing and sometimes did the wrong thing, my hope and my prayer for you is that you would believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that however you're shaped, however you're created, however God has designed you and whatever experiences you've been through, that God can use you if you're willing to be used. For some of you who are young, there will be times in your life when the world will tell you that you're not good enough to be used by God. For all of us, there will be times when the evil one shouts it from the rooftops. You're not good enough to be used by God. I've often said that pastors and I know that Justin has probably experienced this a little bit, when you teach or preach, as they say, that um, whatever you're preaching on or whatever you're teaching on, either the days before that or the days after that, you, you might experience a healthy dose of what you're teaching or preaching on. 
it's often why pastors don't like to preach on hell, okay? I'm just telling you the truth, all right? So, and I woke up this morning, and there was a spiritual battle going on in my heart and in my soul, and the evil one was screaming at me that I'm not good enough. I'm just being honest with you. And the reason I'm telling you that is because this is a battle. And I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you, if you're here today and you're already a Christ follower, that he can and he will use you. And his vision for you is sometimes bigger than your vision for yourself is. Believe in that. Don't believe in what the world says. Don't believe in what the evil one says. Believe in what the Son of God says. Believe in what the Spirit of God says to your heart and to your soul. And walk in that truth today. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Is walking, believing that you can be used by God for his glory. Father, I thank you so much. For these men, these two men that we've looked at today, God, they were incredibly ordinary. They were a simple fisherman. They were perhaps among some of the least likely to be used in a mighty way. And you chose to use them to impact this world for the kingdom. God, I thank you so much for Andrew. Quiet, behind the scenes, probably not even interested in coming close to rocking the boat. But in that moment where he met you, his first thought was of his brother, was of one he loved the most. And in that moment when he met you, when he decided to follow you, in that moment, he thought of someone else. God, help all of us in here who are Christ followers to think of who we can introduce you to. God, may we always have the idea of personal lifestyle evangelism with friends and family, with those folks that we're closest to. God, may you use us in that way. And God, I thank you for Peter the rock, the one that often got himself and maybe even others into trouble because of the things that he said, perhaps even the things that he did. But God, you saw in him what would become, and that is the beginning of the church, of your church. And Father God, I pray for those who are in here who have maybe a little bit of that type A in us or a lot of that type A in us. God, I pray that you would refine that, that we would learn what it means to take that passion and zeal for you and rely on you for consistency in our lives. And God, may you use us. And God, I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice. God, I pray that you would help them to realize that when you utter those two words, follow me, that it was something that was great, that it wasn't just ordinary. We may be ordinary, but your mission is not. Your goals for us and your vision for us is not. And Father, I pray that we would find how we can best be used by you. And I pray that we would do everything in our power and relying on your power to be used.
used by you in the way that you want us to. In Jesus' name, I pray.